Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca jsb. When God doesn't seem to be listening to your prayers, it's tempting to throw in the towel. But don't give up. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah brings encouragement from God's Word to help you synchronize your timing with God's timing and see that His answers always come right on time. To introduce the conclusion of his message, Why Don't My Prayers Get Answered? Here's David. Well, we started this yesterday. We are about halfway through it answering this question, why don't my prayers get answered? Why is it that I pray, and I think I'm praying in the right spirit, and I'm not asking God for anything outlandish or overwhelming, and yet it seems like sometimes He doesn't hear me? Well, we're going to finish discussing that here in just a moment as we open our Bibles together here on Turning Point. Uh, This question, along with the other nine questions in the series, are all in written form in a book that you can order from Turning Point. This book, 10 Questions That Christians Are Asking, will memorialize every sermon, every lesson that you've heard on this during the month of May. I'd love to send you this book. I think it will be a help to you. First of all, it will give you the opportunity to instantly review the answers. And secondly, you will have a resource that will help you help other people. If you're one of those people that folks come to with questions, well, this book will be a great resource and one that you will refer to many times. In fact, I wouldn't doubt the fact that you'd give it away um, somewhere in your Christian experience. We'd love to send it to you. It's our way of saying thank you for your investment in the ministry. And when you send your gift, be sure to ask for a copy of 10 questions that Christians are asking. Thank you for believing in Turning Point and supporting us uh, as you do. Well, we have the last part of this question. Why don't my prayers get answered? Let's dial this up and find out what the rest of this message says. All of us as believers sin. The Bible says if a person says, I do not sin, he is a liar and he doesn't do the truth. But it's what we do with it when it happens that God cares about. He's opened a way for us to have instantaneous forgiveness. But if we harbor something that we know is evil, something that's sinful, and then we try to pray, we will often find it to be very difficult. Sometimes our prayers are not answered because of unprayed prayers and unconfessed sin, and sometimes our prayers are not answered because of unbelieving minds. It says in James chapter 1, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What does it mean to be double-minded? It means to trust God and then not to trust him. To trust him over here, not to trust him over here. To believe him here, to not believe him here. Someone has written this in a little free verse. It goes like this. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last I snatched them back and cried, How could you be so slow? My child, he said, what could I do? You would never let them go. (laughs) To be double-minded is not to let the requests go, not to be able to give them up completely to God, to give them to God and take them back. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we pray them and then we take them back, and we try to work out the solution ourselves instead of trusting God. And then number four, Sometimes our prayers are not answered because of unrighteous motives. James 4 verse 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now let's just be honest about this, men and women. God is not the big genie in the sky. He is not the sugar daddy just waiting for you to come and tell him all of the fluffy little wonderful things you would like. Maybe we do that when we're little kids. But grown-ups need to know better than that. God is not there in heaven just waiting for you to ping him so he can give you everything you ever dreamed of, no matter what you've heard on television or on radio. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have in God that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. Matthew 6, 9, and 10 says, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In the Bible, there are some interesting illustrations of Bible people who prayed, I'm going to use this in, I hope, the right way, some pretty dumb prayers. Take this one, for instance. Peter, overwhelmed by the sudden appearance of Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, impetuously asked that shelters be built for the two time travelers and for Jesus. He wanted to set up camp on the Mount of Transfiguration because he didn't want to go back down to the real world. Here he was with Jesus. Who wouldn't want to stay with Jesus? But that was a dumb thing for him to do. That wasn't the will of God. The disciples, James and John, along with their ambitious mother, once said to Jesus, when we get to heaven, I'd like to be seated one on the right hand and one on the other. They wanted seats of prominence in the kingdom, and they got their mother involved in the deal. And Jesus said, you do not know what you are asking. What was wrong with those prayers? The prayer was for something that they could consume on themselves. They wanted prominence. They wanted power. They wanted prestige. God is not in the business of answering prayers like that because we're asking amiss. Our motives are wrong. 
Peter earned a strong rebuke when he objected to Jesus' plan for Jerusalem. Jesus jumped all over him and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in your mind the things of God, but the things of men. And that gets right to the heart of the problem with inappropriate prayers. They're self-serving. They're not in accord with God's nature. They put the focus on our things, not on the things of God. Someone has said, we ask for health, not to serve others, but to engage in riotous living. (laughs) We ask for wealth so that we may live in luxury instead of serving God with our money. The word spend in the verse means to waste or squander. God will not give us something just to waste it. God refuses to listen to men who eagerly pursue selfish pleasures. Greed is idolatry and God hates it. This doesn't mean we cannot ask God to do something for those we love. This does not mean that we cannot ask God to give us our daily bread and meet our needs. The key to understanding this verse is the word spend. It is a word that means praying for something just because you want it. It has nothing to do with the will of God or the purpose of God. It's just a selfish prayer. It's a frivolous prayer. Here's a good illustration. We must remember that God's ultimate concern is not with our team winning the ball game, but in himself being glorified in the process. His ultimate concern is not that we all have perfect health, but that we lift every ounce of our health up to his honor and glory. His ultimate concern is not that we have a high-paying job, but that we praise him and are thankful for what he provides. His ultimate concern is that we are consumed with his glory in whatever state we are in. And I believe that God delights in giving even the smallest of things to his children. But we must weigh the motives of our hearts against the substance of our requests. We must ask, is my desire in this to see God glorified in my life or am I just wanting this so that it's for me? God plainly says that some people do not get what they ask for because they ask for the wrong reason. You probably have read this. It's on many cards that I've seen in uh, greeting card stores, but it bears listening to right now. It goes like this. I ask for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I ask for health that I might do greater things I was given grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing that I asked for, but all that I hoped for my prayer was answered. (laughs) Sometimes we don't pray right. Listen to me now. Sometimes we pray, thy will be changed. (laughs) Not thy will be done. (laughs) Do you ever pray that prayer? Maybe not in those words, but Lord, can we talk about this once more? Thy will be changed. Someone said, when you pray, do you give instructions or do you report for duty? Sometimes, number five, our prayers are not answered because of unresolved conflicts. And I'm going to have to hurry, but I want you to get this. The Bible says in Mark chapter 11, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. 
But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Again, in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Be reconciled to your brother and come and offer your gift. God has made it clear in his word that our acceptance with him is based solely on the work he did for us at Calvary and our belief in his son is our only hope for salvation. But God has also told us in his word that our fellowship with him and our prayer relationship with him is conditioned upon our relationships with other people as well as with himself. If I have offended my brother, says this verse, I must go to him and make that right or my prayers will be hindered. If my brother has offended me, I must go to him and make it right or my prayers will be hindered. The responsibility is mine in either case to make things right with my brother and then come to the Lord with my prayers. Nothing can so quickly cancel the friction of life as prayer. If you find yourself growing angry at someone, pray for him. Anger doesn't live very well in an atmosphere of prayer, according to William McElroy. So here's number five. The Bible says, if you are harboring resentment or unforgiveness or anger in your heart toward another brother or sister, it may not shut down your prayer life. It just says it will hinder it. It'll get in the way. It's almost like you're coming to the Lord with your prayer and you hear him in the back of your mind saying to you, have you taken care of that yet? And it takes the edge off of it. Nothing is so important as maintaining the right relationships that you have with others. And then number six tells us that our prayers are not answered because of uncompassionate hearts. Proverbs 21.13 says, whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Wow. This is not about trying to feed the world's hungry, although we ought to be concerned about that. This prayer barrier is about failing to have compassion for those we know who are in need. And the Bible says when you harbor an uncompassionate spirit, when you don't ask God to make you sensitive to people you can help, then it will be hard for you to have the relationship in prayer that you desire. And then finally, the last one, and I have to tell you, this is for men only. All you women can't listen to this. I'm fooling with you a little bit because you all need to listen to it, but I'll never forget when I first understood this. And I read the verse and I read it and I thought, is that really true? And I read it again and every time I've read it, I've come back with this. And so I'm going to read this verse to you and you see if you have the same response I do. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. Men, what that says to us, if we're Christian husbands and we have a Christian wife, our relationship with our wife can often be the reason why God isn't listening carefully to our prayers. This passage of Scripture says that men that are not having the right kind of relationship with their wives can at the very least find their prayers hindered. 
It makes it hard to pray for your wife when you haven't been loving her and meeting her needs and living with her according to the teaching of the Word of God, according to knowledge. On the other hand, just think of the potential that is wrapped up in the two of you praying together for something. Because the Bible says that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by the Father. When you pray with your wife, men, you open up an incredible potential before God. I know that for most of us who are A personalities, I confess, praying with your wife may be a difficult thing, but praying with your wife is an important thing. The Bible says, if, it doesn't say if you don't pray with her, it says if you don't treat her right, if you don't cherish and honor the woman in your life who is your wife, if you don't try to serve her, if your relationship with her is not right, it will affect the way you pray and what happens when you pray. So there you have it. Unprayed prayers, unconfessed sin, unbelieving minds, unrighteous motives, unresolved conflicts, uncompassionate hearts, and unresponsive husbands. So I look down at the list. Nobody has all those things going on. Maybe you look at it and you say, you know what, I need to check on that one. This one, you know, I got something here. That's what we should be doing. Nobody's guilty of all these things. This is just a checklist. But here's the good news about this, men and women. There's not one thing on this whole list that you can't take care of right now. The Bible says the Lord is good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon him. Psalm 86, 5. Almighty God is just saying, here's some things. These are good. Prayer kind of becomes the little catalyst in the middle of this. So I'm frustrated about my prayers. I'm going to be like a good businessman. I'm going to put this down on my business sheet here, and I'm going to look through these things and see if I need to make a few corrections. Maybe it's just a small mid-course correction. Make that correction. If you need to repent of it, ask God to forgive you, and he will immediately do that. And you will again be on good terms with him, and your prayer life will be energized. Someone has taken this thought and changed the words of amazing grace so that they sound like this. Amazing prayer, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now am found, was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and cares I have already come. Twas prayer that brought me safe thus far, and prayer will lead me home. I want to give you one final little paradigm that wraps all of this up in four statements. This is what this is all about. I've written this down in the front of my Bible, and here's what it says. When you pray, if the request is wrong, God says no. How many of you know no is an answer? We try to teach our kids that, but we don't like it when it comes back to us. Yes is the answer we want, but no is an answer. And I am so thankful for the times over my life as I look back over my shoulder when I have prayed for something and God has said no. I didn't like it at the time, but oh, do I see it now. So if the request is wrong, God will just say no and you'll get it. If the timing is wrong, God will say slow. How many of you know God isn't on our schedule? God doesn't work off of our calendar app. 
God doesn't work off of our time schedule. God works totally off of his time schedule. And when we ask for something, he's not obligated to give it to us by next Thursday. So sometimes we ask God for something, and it's a good request, and it's a legitimate request, but the timing for the reception of it is just not right. Sometimes we ask God for something, and if the request is wrong, he says no. And if the timing's wrong, he says slow. And sometimes, and this has been the bulk of the message today, we ask God for something and we are wrong. Something's going on in our life that needs to be fixed. And when that happens, God says, grow. (laughs) Grow up. Get it right. And the good news is that if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says, go. (laughs) I love that little paraphrase because... It helps me in my own mind just to think about that with regard to pray. And I want you to know that God answers prayer. He's answered a lot of prayers for me, continues to answer them for me every day. But I'm like you. I know I can do better with this prayer thing. And I'm sure when we get done with our lives and we look over our shoulders and somebody says, if you could do something better, what would you do? Somebody asked Billy Graham that question, and he said, if I could do anything better, I would pray more. I would have prayed more in my life. All of us feel that. You know, someone said, if you want to empty an auditorium, announce that you're going to preach on prayer. Because nobody will come. Because everybody has a bit of a sense of guilt in our hearts that we don't pray as we ought. Can I get a witness? Kind of somber, but it's a good witness. So, you know what? This is not to make us feel guilty about prayer. This is to help us find out how we can be more effective in praying. I got some things in my life right now that I really need God for. How about you? I want to make sure that I don't have anything in the way of God being able to hear my prayer and answer it. I hope you feel the same way. A lady said, I've been praying for my father, and he's getting close to the end of his life, and God doesn't seem to be hearing. And I told her, Howard Hendricks, who was a good friend of mine, once told me that he prayed for his father for every single day for 72 years. And at the very end of his life, before he died, he became a Christian. All I can say to you is if you're praying and it seems like God isn't answering, remember God's not on your time schedule, and so you're to pray continually, faithfully, every day, no matter what. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep praying. And remember that God loves you and his desire for you is that you begin to learn how to settle down in the realization of his will. Dwight L. Moody was traveling by boat on one of the Great Lakes when a really bad storm developed. The other passengers on the boat cowered in fear. They even started an impromptu prayer meeting asking God to deliver them from the storm. Moody didn't join in this prayer meeting. When asked why not, he answered with these words, I have a sister in Chicago and one in heaven, and I don't care which one I see tonight. (laughs) I'm not there yet, folks. That's a level of faith I haven't achieved yet. But that's a great illustration of what it means to rest in the providence of God. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to get your prayers answered. And let's make sure we understand that the one reason most of us don't get them answered is just because we don't ask them. We have not because we ask not. Hmm. 
Well, you know what? I may not have resolved all your theological questions about prayer, but maybe I've motivated you to pray more because one of the themes of this whole question is, do I worry about prayers that don't get answered or do I not pray? And um, I'm sure the answer to that question for some of us will be convicting and motivating. Tomorrow here on Turning Point, we're going to ask another question, and that one is this. Is there a sin God cannot forgive? Uh, Sometimes we call this the unpardonable sin. Is there such a thing as an unpardonable sin? Can I commit a sin that's so egregious that God cannot forgive it? We'll talk about that tomorrow here on Turning Point. I hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, if you haven't ordered this book with all the answers to all these questions in the chapters, I'd like for you to do that. We create these uh, resources for you to add value to your life, to extend the ministry of Turning Point into your everyday experience. And I believe this book will do that. Uh, This book doesn't come with a study guide because every chapter is concluded with study questions and fill-in-the-blank lines where you can add to the chapter what you've learned and interact with it. We don't have a study guide that has all of this in one volume. We've included it at the end of every chapter in this particular book. So I hope you'll take time to order the book by giving a gift to Turning Point during this month. And when you send your gift, be sure to ask for a copy of this 230-page hardcover book, 10 Questions That Christians Are Asking. Make your gift as generous as it can be, but don't not send a gift because you think it's too small. There isn't such a thing. We want you to have this book. We want you to use this book. We want you to grow and be blessed by this book. And here's the way you can receive it. We've also been telling you during the month about our magazine, but you can find out about it at davidjeremiah.org. There you can learn everything you need to know about getting the magazine sent to your home every month. I hope you'll look into it. We'll see you here tomorrow. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. How has your life been impacted by this ministry? Let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta BC, V4L 2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, and learn to live with greater confidence. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here on Turning Point. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners. A special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible strong, 
you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's Topical Living Library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible Strong.